This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I'll be jigger. How are you, Slater Crusaders? America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Happy Saturday. What a week. Are you tired of all the winning yet? So much winning. Please, Mr. Trump, stop all the winning. I can't handle the winning. That was my favorite line of his during the uh, the campaign. Now the fun begins. Now the hard part begins. You own this. We own this. Conservatives are in charge, not just the presidency. And you can say, well, he's not a real conservative. Fine. Republicans control the House and the Senate will control the Supreme Court. This is huge. We can't blow this. This is our chance. The spotlight is on us. Today, we've got a fun three hours. I want to talk about how you're not alone and you should stop acting like you are. We got to talk about all the hysteria from the last few days from the left. I want to talk about the real divide in our country. It's not rich versus poor. It's not black versus white. The real divide in our country is country versus city, rural versus urban. So we'll chat about that. And and real quick about the hysteria. I mean, we're going to deport all brown people. I'll tell you this. I'll save the story. I I got got a ton of stories to share with you. But we're going to deport all brown people and we're going to put Muslims in internment camps. Like what? So we'll chat about that. But my favorite line of all, favorite fear that people are peddling, this poison that people are peddling, is that Mike Pence believes in gay electric conversion therapy. And he's going to force that upon gay people. Electrical gay conversion therapy. Gay people are worried. Come on. Come on. So we'll talk all about that today. I'm really excited, really glad you're here. Like I said, it's going to be a fun next couple years here. Um, Really, really excited. I want to start here, though, and we're going to put this to bed once and for all and, and, and hopefully never fall for it ever again. Are you with me? The polls. Not even close. They go off by a mile. A total. Swing and a miss. Now, why? How? My favorite comment when we were doing our election coverage, I'm sure you were watching, flipping between a couple channels, hopefully watching right here on The Blaze. But on my local show, we did some election coverage. 
uh, in San Diego. And my favorite line was from Chuck Todd at MEC. And as the results were coming in and as it was looking more and more likely that Trump would win, as we predicted on February 17th, 2016. He said, well, it looks like the pollsters underweighed the rural vote. (laughs) In other words, they made it all up. They lied the whole time. Oh, by the way, rural white people. That that means racist backwoods hicks. That's you. So before you go listening to the media talk about how all Trump supporters are 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 Klan members, are 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 rural white people, uneducated. Let's say that meaning only a high school degree, uneducated rural white people. I'll tell you this: Trump could not have won unless he had across the board support from all types of people. We made a Facebook video in May. We made a Facebook video in February saying that Trump was going to win the Rust Belt states. We made a Facebook video in May saying that Trump was going to get, uh, going to have more women vote for him than Hillary, and white women fifty three forty three to Trump. Again, think about that fifty three forty three against a woman running for president. So don't also don't ever let anyone in the media tell you that this is because we live in a sexist country when a majority of women didn't vote for the woman. But my point is, it's not the rural racist hillbilly vote that made Trump president. That wouldn't have made a difference. It wouldn't have made a difference if he also didn't win, or didn't win, but didn't, didn't do well with college educated and white, black, Hispanic, Asian, all races, incomes, genders, geographical locations, etc. He needed everyone to pitch in, and he got it. That's point one. Don't let them tell you that, the, that Trump won because of the rural white vote. What they're trying to say is the racist vote. But think about this. Do you want to know why Barack Obama won in 2008? No, they'll tell you it's because of the minority vote. Sure. But also, in the states where there's not a lot of minorities, the rural white voter. Right? So the rural white voter elected President Obama in 2008. And the rural white voter elected Donald Trump president in 2016. But now they're racists. Okay? So don't believe that. But I want to talk about the polling. Okay? Here's how polls work. Now, we made a Facebook video about this the other day. You can check it out on our Facebook page on the Mike Slater Show where we do it graphically, right? We have visuals. So if this is not clear, then you can uh, watch our video and spread it around. So I'm going to simplify this big time, but this is how the polls work. It's how they've always worked. Um, Nothing new about it, but they become more manipulative over time. So they'll interview 10 people. Okay, I'm simplifying it here. They'll actually interview uh, 1,116 people, but let's say 10 people. Who are you going to vote for for president? Well, four of them say Hillary. And six of them say they're going to vote for Donald Trump. <whistles> Looks good for Trump, right? You got six people Trump for Hillary. Well, that's Donald Trump's going to win. But they don't release those results. This is what they do. They then ask these 10 people, have you ever voted before? Now, two of Trump's supporters, two of those six, say that they've never voted before. They're gone. They don't count because they're not considered a likely voter. So now it's four to four, four Hillary, four Trump, because two of the Trump voters are gone now. They're not likely voters. But then after that, they weigh the results. I'm not kidding. In other words, they just make it up. And they say, well... We don't think that high school educated people are going to show up in this election. 
So we're not going to count anyone who doesn't have a college degree. Well, it turns out two of Trump's remaining supporters don't have a college degree. Gone. That's it. So now it's four to two Hillary's winning. Also, one of Hillary's voters are black. Only one of those four. But we think a lot of black people are going to vote in this election. I mean, I want to keep in mind, they're completely making this up. Completely, totally making it up. We think a lot of black people are going to vote in this election. So we're going to weigh that one black person as if they're two people. So now Hillary's winning five to two. And that's the poll they release. Oh, yeah, we found in our polls that uh, Hillary's going to win five, five to two in the election. Yeah, Hillary in a landslide. Not kidding. That's what they publish. So you'd see a poll that would say Hillary's going to win in a landslide, five to two, whatever. And you scroll down. So that's the headline. And then you scroll down to the bottom of the article, and then there'll be a link to uh, like the source. Right? So you click the source. And then in the source, you got to scroll all the way to the bottom, and there's a link to the methodology of the poll. So I do that. And you read the methodology, and I'd look at that, and, I'd, and we talked about this for weeks, right? We've talked for weeks about how the polls are wrong. And I'd say, well, wait a second. That black person probably won't vote for Hillary, probably won't show up at all, certainly not in the rate that black people showed up for Barack Obama eight years ago. Also, all those Trump supporters are going to vote, whether they have a college degree or not. And whether they've never voted before or not, they're going to vote and they're going to bring their toothless cousin. Once he's done, you know, mixing the moonshine and the hollow, they're going to bring him to vote as well. And that doctor that you asked who they're going to vote for and that doctor said he's voting for Hillary. He's actually voting for Trump. He just didn't want to admit it to you because then you'd think he's a racist and a bigot. So he's going to say Clinton and hang up the phone because he's intimidated. You've intimidated him into lying. So if you look at the polls like that, all of a sudden Trump's winning 8-2. to two. And that's closer to the reality of what happened. So do you see how they can manipulate the polls? Now, how do I know they did this? Well, they didn't, they didn't lie about it per se. Like it's in the methodology. But this is how they do ratings for radio stations. <laughs> it's the same thing. So here in San Diego, uh, we have a lot of Hispanic people, right? Right on the border. So... They give out these meters. I'll do this real real quick, but they'll hand out these meters. They're like pagers and they'll give it to a thousand people in San Diego County. And the pagers listen to what radio station they're listening to at any given moment. Well, they only give it to a thousand people and they have to extrapolate the data from a thousand people to 3.7 million people. Now let's say of the thousand people, only five people are Hispanic. Well, 30% of San Diego County is Hispanic. So they take those five Hispanic people and listen to what radio station they're listening to. And they, you know, they weight it. They, they quadruple it. So sometimes you'll have a Hispanic radio station that's just like, like through the roof, like killing it. And this is why in radio world, people will say, like, oh, we, we picked up a meter or we lost a meter when their ratings go really high or really low all of a sudden. It's because one meter makes this huge difference because they weigh the results any way they really want. There's no way to get an accurate count. So there's a ton of human judgment. I'll put it like that. There's a ton of human judgment. Now, who are the people making these judgments? A lot of them are Clinton supporters. So their judgment was weighed incorrectly, or at least inappropriately. Judgments like, 
oh yeah, black people are going to show up uh, probably even more than uh, than they showed up for Barack Obama. Like what? Where'd you get? Oh yeah, Hispanic people they hate Donald Trump so much that they're all all the Hispanic people are going to show up. Nah, they didn't. <laughs> so they made incorrect judgments based off wishful thinking. That's why the polls were wrong. Now, if you want to talk about Hispanics, and we can do this real quick, we've talked about some polls recently, many polls over about a year or two that I've seen. More recently, 51% of Hispanics, 51% of Hispanics think that the government does too little to enforce immigration law. Now it's 59% of white people and 51% of Hispanics. Huh. The question is, would you support a policy that causes illegal immigrants to return to their home countries by penalizing employers who hire them and denying them welfare benefits? 49% of Hispanics say yes. Hispanics. You'd think it'd be 2% of Hispanics. And here's the fact. First and second generation immigrants, first and second generation, are more hard line against illegal immigration than native-born Americans. Let me say it again. First and second generation immigrants are more hard line against illegal immigration than native-born Americans. So this is why the pollsters and the pundits had it all wrong, because they assumed that every Hispanic in America hates Trump and is against what he says, but it's just not true. So that's why the polls are wrong. Polls leave out, they leave a ton of room for human interpretation before they're even released. And then when they're released, they're skewed by the media and what it really means. They were wrong the whole time. one 900 3393. And that's why for the last few weeks, I'm saying, listen, these, these are not right. What they're saying here, uh, Trump in a landslide. one 900 I want to come back, chat about how you are not alone and you got to start act, start acting. Or should they stop acting like you are because you are not. We'll do that next. Mike Slater, so the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is Mike Slater. 
Mike Slater Crusaders. I hope that polling stuff made sense. Um, you can check it out on our Facebook page. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. And not the most recent video, but the video before that, uh, we, we talk about that. So I want to talk about your posture moving forward in a few different ways. I think this is a, a good place to start. So uh, I'll go back. I played uh, soccer in high school. And we were, I went to a high school, a small high school, but for whatever reason, we were a ragtag bunch. It was weird. We like our school, we never had the same uniforms, right? We'd have two different kinds of shorts issued to the players on the team. And they were all blue, but like there were shades of blue kind of. And it was weird. There was like a mix of new and old jerseys. And we kids would show up to games. We'd wear different color socks and we're just kind of a mess. Not, not a lot of discipline, not a lot of unity. Bit of the bad news bears. And we'd play one high school in particular, West Jenny. Oh, West Jenny. It was like, they were, they were like the Iceland team in Mighty Ducks 2. Right? They'd show up, brand new school bus. And they would exit the bus, single file line. And then they would line up in two lines and they would march through the field in unison with not only matching uniforms, but warm-up jackets and the same cleats and everything. There was just another public high school. But for whatever reason, they had it together, and we most certainly did not. And then same thing in college. I swam for Yale, and Yale has a strange desire to, especially on their sports teams, to do everything as if it were 1900. So the the jerseys we wore, the uniforms we wore, were sweatpants. We had literal sweatpants. And we'd swim in any other team. We'd swim like University of Maryland, like a big big sports school, and they would be totally decked out like they were the Olympic team. And like we were always, I, I've never been on a team my whole life that wasn't a ragtag underdog group. It was fine, I mean, whatever, but it was interesting. So why do I share this? Because I have that same feeling right now about being a conservative. Can I share a few things real quick? Republicans, of course, have the House the Senate and the presidency for the Senate. This was supposed to be the bad year for Republicans in two more years. There are 10 Senate seats that are up for reelection held by Democrats, 10 Senate seats in States that Trump won. So there's a chance that Republicans could have 61 Senate seats in two years. It's only going to get better. Trump had a higher percentage of black and Latino votes than Romney four years ago. Think about that, especially with Hispanics, as we just talked about. Governors, there's Republican governors in 33 states. There's a Republican governor of Vermont, for the love of Pete. I've said for years, and I hope this can finally start to prove it, most Americans have conservative principles. And it is time for conservatives to start acting like it. There is no need to be a ragtag team. There's no need to be the underdogs or act like the underdogs or be silent anymore. Please, we must start acting like people who are in the majority. Because clearly you are. Now, that doesn't mean bossing people around doesn't mean shoving our weight around. It doesn't mean jamming things through Congress or being rude or offensive to people. Certainly not. It means be confident. 
Be confident. Stand up straight, shoulders back, voice your opinion in a calm, dignified, respectful way. But be confident because most people agree with you. I'm sure you've been to a party before where you don't know anyone, right? You're the only one. You don't, you don't know anyone in the entire room and, and you've, you've, right? you're embarrassed. I feel like that's how we conservatives act all the time, right? Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anyone. I need to be sensitive. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Why? Most people agree with you. Don't act like that. Stop acting like you are at a party all alone and start acting like the party is for you. So my son, who's four weeks old, on election day, uh, my wife brought him down to the studio here in San Diego. One minute. And there were six sales. There was, so as soon as he walked in the studio, like all the women in the building could like hear, like, like smell the baby, right? So everyone swarmed. There were six women, six women, me and my wife on election day. And the first woman's like, oh, you know, I hope, you know, we'll see how today goes. And the next person's like, I know I'm nervous. The next lady, oh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And it was like two minutes before I said, who'd you vote for? And all six of the women voted for Trump in California. All six of them. But still, they all spoke in hushed tones. Like, 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 I, you know, I, I, they, like they all spoke in code. Even though we were all conservative, we all voted for Trump. You are in the majority, believe it or not. You are in the, in the majority. So I must quote Yoda. Go forth, young Padwan. Go forth with confidence. It's an exciting time to be a conservative. Let's embrace every moment. Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Mike Slater. Slater. I want to talk about the hysteria. Again, we put up a couple videos uh, last few days on our Facebook page. If you could uh, like our page and share those videos, that'd be awesome and spread some, uh, some good word here. So I want to talk about the hysteria and, and the fear mongering. It started early. Paul Krugman from the New York Times at 1242 a.m. This is election night. He wrote, if the question is, when will the markets recover? A first pass answer is never. They'll never recover. The stock markets will never recover from a Donald Trump presidency. Well, they were higher than the day, than the election day by that afternoon, and they actually the Dow closed at a record high the next day. So, less than twenty four hours. It was the truth. Uh, the scare tactic was never, and it was like, uh, yeah, whatever, 18 hours <clears throat> record high. Amazing. Isn't that a perfect metaphor for how out of touch with reality they are? And I hope it's a perfect metaphor and, and word to the wise to never listen to their fear mongering ever again. And there's a lot of it right now. I was texting a really good friend of mine, uh, two days ago, maybe. She works at a community college. And she said that students at at her college 
are carrying their passports with them because they're so terrified. I guess this was the day after the election. They're so terrified at Trump winning that, that they carried their passports with them the next day. Now, listen, I, I, I want to be patient and I want to be compassionate and loving. I do and I will. But there's a level where it goes too far. And honestly, if, if you're an adult and you see someone else acting this way, it's dangerous for them to allow them to continue to act like that. I mean, right? There, there's no reason. Listen, okay, if I, if I was my friend and I, I found someone carrying their passport around, I'd say, listen, I, I understand your fears. Um, I see what you're saying. I, I don't think any of these things will happen that you're worried about. I will fight to make sure that they never do. But I understand there's disappointment, there's grieving, it's fine. I would be doing the same if Hillary won. But you really don't need to carry your passport around. If for no other reason, he's not the president until January. So worst case scenario, if he was really going to deport everyone who has a tan, it won't happen until January. Okay, so, so like right now he's still just a guy. But but that, that's worst case scenario. Now now when he becomes president, he still won't deport everyone. Boom, deport all brown people. Give me a break. I mean, listen. There's all this fear he'll rip families apart. Well, listen. If your mom's a illegal immigrant gang member, eh, he might rip your family apart. Sorry, but your mom shouldn't be an illegal immigrant gang member. But if you're not, you're fine. And I think it's really important for adults to say this. I mean, two Huffington Post articles the day after the election. If you're a minority in America, the terror of this moment is overwhelming. And another article, every Muslim knows things will never be the same again. One article started off, it's the stuff of nightmares. The other article started off, waking up today felt like waking up from a fever dream. Huffington Post is in a race to see how many different ways they can say the world is coming to an end and it's a nightmare. Now, Glenn gave some advice the other day. And I think it's really good advice. And his advice is to, again, be compassionate, be loving, and don't just dismiss fears out of hand, right? If someone says they're fearful of something, don't just be like, oh, you're crazy, because that doesn't help anything. And that's true all the time. That's true in a, in a marriage, right? If, if your wife or her husband is afraid of something, they'll be like, oh, you're crazy. Like, that doesn't help. Totally. I'm, I'm 100%. And there's really a good chance for unity here. Right, someone will say, I'm scared because I'm going to be deported because I'm Hispanic. Now, on the inside, I would say that's wildly irrational. But on the outside, I think Glenn's right. You say, no, I, I, I won't let that happen. I don't think he's going to do that. He never said he's going to do that. He won't do it. But if he ever suggests it this point, from this point moving forward, we together will stop him. Good. But... I think we also have to be careful to not coddle too much because a lot of these people, listen, a lot of these people are college kids. And what have we been seeing the last couple of years in college campuses? There's a race going on on our college campuses to see who can be the most pathetic person on campus because the more pathetic you are, the weaker you are, the more attention you get. It's the reverse of what society has always been in America. We've talked about this many, many times before over the last few years. For all of American history, it's been 
a race to see how tough you can be, to show others how strong you can be. And the stronger you are, the more respect you get. Today, it's the opposite. It's a race to see how weak you can be. It's a contest to see how light of a breeze can send you toppling over into the fetal position. <laughs> it's like, oh, that breeze sent you wailing? Wait till you see how light of a, of a breeze will knock me over and make me too weak to function. <laughs> like, what? It's a competition now, today, to see who can be the most devastated at Trump becoming the next president and who can, um, who can, 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 um, how do I word this? Who can promise, who can predict apocalypse in more apocalyptic terms, right? <laughs> Whoever can do that the most wins. And I think there's a lot of people just making stuff up to get attention. And if that's you, I can't coddle you. And, and as adults, we can't allow that. And we can't be a part of, of that and fuel that posture because that's, that's very bad. Disappointment, of course. Anger, frustration, absolutely. If you're a Hillary supporter, yes. Even real fears and concerns, sure. But to repeat, as I've heard many, many times, and this was actually the topic of the most recent video we made on Facebook, to repeat that gay people will be forced to undergo electric conversion therapy. I, I, I can't work with that. I, I, have, no, I have no patience for that. And I don't think anyone should. Someone on my Facebook page who disagrees with everything that I ever write talking about how scared people are. And he said, I read this on Twitter just now. As I'm stopped at a gas station this morning, a group of guys yells over time to get out of this country. Apu. That didn't happen. There's no way that happened. There's no way. And you're going to see so much of that. I mean, do you know how poisonous that is to spread lies like that? They have to. They have to because for so long the left has been peddling this lie that America is at its core a racist country. So they're going to keep pushing this more and more and more and more than ever. So... For the next few days, and it's going to be a while. Listen, all time heals all wounds, right? So it'll take some time. They'll blow off some steam. And we will prove them very, very wrong. I can't wait for the day when Donald Trump and the House and the Senate pass and sign a bill that creates school vouchers or charter schools or free market education, whatever it looks like. And that's the exciting part because we get to figure this out now because we're in charge. But passes a bill that allows parents in inner city, in the inner cities to send their kids to a functioning school as opposed to the failure of a public school system that we have today. I can't wait for that day. And kids start going to good schools 
that empower parents and kids and teachers. And a couple of years go, go by and test scores in the inner city are even higher than test scores anywhere else. And kids have hope for their futures again. Like, I'm excited for that. Now you're saying, well, Slater, hold on. You always preach that a president can't change people's lives. Yes, yes, yes. I've always preached that. And I still believe that. I'm actually going to talk a little later about how you should not put your hopes and dreams in a man, whether his name's Donald Trump or anything else. You should not do that. But a government can get out of people's ways so that they can put their hopes in their future. The government, the federal government can get out of the way of parents and kids and good teachers so that kids can get an education that puts them on the right path as opposed to the path to prison or government dependency. That's going to be exciting. We need to fight to make sure that happens. In the meantime, let's find that line in our country with our friends and and our family and people online. Even though really you should just never talk about this stuff online. But people you know address the, their fears and, and, uh, and, and worries with compassion and love. And I think if we do that right, then more people won't feel a need to hyperventilate. Which is what half of our country is doing right now. one 888 I want to come back with a, uh, a speech from Teddy Roosevelt that I think is, is timely for all of us. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Teddy Roosevelt. Gave a speech in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, April 3rd, 1903. And it was a speech about citizenship, how to be a good citizen. I think this is a good time to uh, discuss this. He says, in the first place, honesty and decency. And I use the words in their widest significance, not merely the honesty that refrains from theft, but the aggressive honesty. That will not see a wrong without trying to right it. All right, that's the, uh, so it's not just you don't steal something, but when you see something that's unjust, you actively try to make it right. He calls that aggressive honesty. I love that. That first. But by itself, that is not enough. No matter how honest a man may be, if he is timid, There's little chance of him being useful to the country. In addition to honesty, you must have strength and courage. We live in a rough world. And good work in it can be done only by those who are not afraid to step down into the hurly-burly to do their part in the dust and smoke of the arena. The man who's a good man, but who stays at home in his parlor, is of small use. It's easy to be good if you lead the sheltered life, which is absolutely free from temptation to do evil because there's no chance to do it. So in addition to honesty and decency, you need courage and strength. 
But if you've got those, still it's not enough, said Teddy Roosevelt. You are valueless as a citizen unless you're both honest and brave. But in addition to that, you're a natural-born fool. If that's the case, then may the Lord be with you. We need courage and we need honesty. And finally, we need the saving grace of common sense. And I love this line. We shall get good results from good citizenship exactly in proportion as the average citizen is developed along the three lines that I have indicated. Let me focus on that last line here. The average citizen. I was talking the other day with someone. What was the context? It was something about welfare and dependency and stuff like this. And I said, well, listen, there's always been people who wanted to live dependent lives and all this stuff. And he said something like, well, it's, it's, our country is really what the average person feels about this issue. Because once it tips over, once the average person tips over into this other side, well, then that, that's, we've gone too far. And here's Teddy Roosevelt saying the same thing. Yes, you're going to have some people who have no common sense, who are, who are cowards and who are a bunch of liars. You're going to have that no matter what. But if the average American is those things, that's when you're in trouble. And Teddy Roosevelt, like our founding fathers, they knew that our constitution was as worthless as the paper as the paper it was written on. They knew that our republic was doomed if we did not have virtuous people in our country. They stressed this more than anything. Teddy Roosevelt did as well. You must be honest, courageous, and have good common sense. And this is only as good as a nation as much as it exists in the average person. So if you are uh, offended at this election, the results have d- don't affect you at all when it comes to your ability to be honest, brave, and have common sense. Not at all. And if you like the results of this election, well, let's be even more honest, more brave, and have more common sense because the spotlight is on you right now. Coming up next, we'll talk about the great divide in our country. It's not rich versus poor. It's not white versus black. It's rural versus urban. This is important. We'll do it next. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater's America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. What a week. Are you kidding me? What a week it's been. It's funny. A lot of people have said that uh, a President Hillary would be better for my career. And it's like, well, first of all, I'd rather have something better for the country than my career, but I don't even think that's true because I don't want to come on the radio every day and I don't want to waste any more time, you know, trying to get rid of Hillary or whatever. Like I want to, I want to focus on some policy. I want to talk about big principles. I want to talk about things that can really improve our country and move forward in a positive direction. And, and that's what we can do now. 
So it's been a fun week. Uh, it's going to be an exciting few months before the inauguration, and then it's game time. And, and I'm really excited you're here, and we're going to do a good, good, good job together. We're going to do a lot of good things. Um, I want to talk about the, the great divide in our country, what it really is, why it exists, what we can do about it. So my local newspaper here in San Diego, San Diego County is really big, um, 3.7 million people. Don't quote me. It's ballpark. We are larger. San Diego County is larger than 22 different states. Like entire states, uh, uh, population-wise. And the budget of our county is larger than, I think, like 15 states. So it's always a big county. So our paper published a precinct-by-precinct breakdown of Clinton versus Trump. Now, I'm sure you've seen, of course, you've seen the national maps, right, where states are blue or red. And I'm sure you've seen the county maps, right, where basically the whole country's red, except for the blue dots uh, that, are, that are Democratic. This is an even further breakdown. This is precinct by precinct. You know, a precinct is like 20 by 20 blocks or something. So, basically, everything along the water, everything along the coast... Inland for maybe 20 miles, as blue as blue can be, deep, dark blue, there are only a handful of precincts that voted a majority Donald Trump. Along the water and about 20 miles inland, it is as blue as can be. And the divide is what we call the 15. It's a highway. It goes north and south to Mexico and then up north. So anything west of the 15 is blue. Anything east of the 15, you might as well be in Oklahoma. Like red as red can be. It is amazing. That divide could not be clearer. Now I should say there is one precinct in San Diego that is majority Donald Trump and that is... uh, it's called Imperial Beach, which is where the Navy SEALs live. It's the one place that was majority red. But that's the divide in our county and in our city where I live and across the entire country. So here's the truth. The great divide in our country is not rich versus poor. It's not black versus white. It's country versus city. It's rural versus urban. David Wong is the executive editor of Cracked, Cracked.com, which is like a humor website. But he wrote this really insightful article that I, that I want to share some, some points from. So he grew up in a super red county outside of Chicago, which is obviously super blue. So he's writing this article to educate his progressive friends about why Donald Trump won. Because Democrats don't get it. They, they still don't get it. And I, it's hilarious how they don't get it because the only thing they can grasp onto is either either the Russians stole the election or racists. You're racist or sexist or bigot or whatever. That's all they can grab onto. They, they can't understand it. So David Wong is like, guys, listen, you have to understand. I, I know, I know these people. <laughs> I grew up in a red County. I grew up in the country. Now I live in the city and I can see how much you don't get it. Three points. First point. Think of, any adventure movie, like any epic adventure movie. There's always the classic divide. How can you tell the good guys from the bad guys? The good guys are from the countryside. The bad guys 
are from the city and wear silly clothes. Hunger Games, Katniss is from the country. The bad guys are from the capital. Star Wars, Luke is a farm boy. The bad guys live in a shiny space station. Braveheart, William Wallace is from the country. The king lives in his castle, wears fancy silly clothes, right? Every single time. So David Wong says this. He says the theme expresses itself in several ways. Primitive versus advanced, right? This is country versus city. Primitive versus advanced. Tough versus delicate. Masculine versus feminine. Poor versus rich. Pure versus decadent. Traditional versus weird. But all of its code for rural versus urban. Now this tense divide between the two doesn't exist because of these movies, obviously. These movies use it as shorthand because the divide already exists. We country folk are programmed to hate the prissy elites. <laughs> now, in your brain right now, imagine the national map by county. Right? It's completely red. It looks like a Verizon coverage map. Right? The entire country is red with a few blue dots. Now, if you didn't know any better, if you were from a different country and you didn't know how this process worked, or if you were a, uh, an alien from outer space, you would look at this map and someone said, they'd say, oh, like, what is this? Oh, the red is, um, are the, the people who vote Republican and the blue are where the people who vote Democrat are. And the alien would say, well, like the, the who are these Democrats? They, they must be like a, like a fringe, you know, fifth party group, right? Like the, like, are they, are they struggling to get 5% of the vote? Like who, who are these Democrats? What are these blue dots? There are cities. Cities, less than 4% of the land mass, but 62% of the population. And here's the key. This is point number two. 99% of the popular culture comes out of our cities. This is important. Movies, TV shows, songs, news, Everything comes from these blue islands. And if you live in the red, this is frustrating to say the least. So this guy, David Wong, he grew up in in Illinois. Now, Illinois is a blue state, right? It's a blue state. Look at it on the map, right? All the states around it are red, but Illinois is blue. But here's the thing. Illinois is not blue. Chicago is blue. The entire state is red except for Chicago, there are only two counties in the entire state of Illinois where, where Hillary Clinton got more than 51% of the vote. Two. Cook County, Chicago, and whatever county's right next to it. That's it. Two of the entire state. So David, he grew up in one of the red counties, and he said going to Chicago, he said he felt like Katniss visiting the Capitol for the first time, right? You go to Chicago, it's like this big, like, whoa, what's going on here? Yet the whole world revolves around this place the whole world every tv show is new york or la right you get csi new york csi and maybe they'll throw in like you know baltimore or something every once in a while right but it's always around the cities now if there is a show about country folk it's always portrayed as you're always portrayed as a bunch of backwoods hicks right parks and rec it's like or uh your mutants like in true detective or deliverance or something like that Don't you think it's odd? Think about this. Don't you think it's odd that in an entire country of 3.7 million square miles, 
the two political parties decided to hold their election night celebration party within two blocks of each other. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, their campaign celebration parties were two blocks from each other. What the heck? Out of the whole country. And this is why I've always said there needs to be a Fox News show or a conservative national show that originates out of Nashville or Podunk somewhere because every TV show is dripping with city. (laughs) And it turns people off and people have had enough about it. So I live in San Diego. There's a big difference between San Diego and Los Angeles. Huge difference. Luckily, there's a giant military base in between us, Camp Pendleton, separating LA from us, making sure they never take us over. But I, when I went to go um, be on the Dr. Drew show at CNN's LA headquarters for the first time, I walked in and it was dripping with Los Angeles. It was disgusting. Like I had to take a shower when I left. It was just, it, just, it was just, it was so LA. It was sickening. But really, like watch all the news shows. It's DC, New York, LA. Well, why? Why is, why is our entire pop culture nearly out of these three cities? Now, after a long time of this, people in the red areas finally said, well, like enough of this. Let me give you one last example. Katrina, right? When you think Hurricane Katrina, what do you think of? What place do you think of? You think of New Orleans, obviously, right? Do you know Katrina killed 238 people and caused $125 billion in damage in Mississippi. In Mississippi. But no one cares because New Orleans is culturally important. New Orleans is where all the big uh, news outlets are. And Mississippi doesn't have any professional sports teams. So to heck with them right now. I'm, I'm joking when I say that, but not really. So David Wong says to those ignored suffering people, Donald Trump is a brick chucked through the window of the elites. Are you jerks listening now? So the argument is that again, the great divide is rural versus urban. Now I want to get to point number three next. Point number two is that our culture is set by people living in these blue islands. Knowing this foundation, what has happened these last few years that has caused people in the red state to throw that brick through the window of the elites? That's the important thing. That explains Donald Trump. We'll talk about that next. one 888 Slater Radio on Twitter. And, and if you could call in and, and maybe help me or others understand that difference. What is that difference between someone who grows up in the country and someone who grows up in the city? Now, obviously, we're painting broad brushes here. But again, there's a reason why in, me- in movies, good guys are from the country, bad guys are from the city. There's a reason behind that. There's a reason why our founding fathers made the electoral college. It's specifically because the country folk were worried that the city folk were going to take over and only their interests would be pursued. That's why the Electoral College exists. So there's something there. What is it? What is the difference? one 
93. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Real divide in our country is rural versus urban. Point one is that if you look at any epic adventure movie, the people from the country are the good guys. People from the city are the bad guys. That's done at shorthand because that exists, that that, that divide already exists. Now, broad brush, goodness gracious, I don't need anyone telling me that there's some people in the country who are bad and people in the city who are good. Okay, we're talking big broad brushes here, but that's point one. Point two our culture is established by people or at least preached by people inside the blue bubbles and the blue islands across our country, mostly LA, New York, or DC. And this is point three. And this is is similar tied to this one. Trends start in cities. Movements tend to start in cities and, and not all of them are good. Now, David Wong gives a silly example where in eighties movies, the Valley girl stereotype was introduced. People saying like every other sentence. And David Wong caught himself a couple years later saying like all the time. (laughs) He said that cancer started in Los Angeles and spread over to the rest of America. When I lived in Tennessee, we would always pay attention to what's going on in California because California was a crystal ball for the craziness that's coming uh, across the country. Trends start in these cities. So people in the country see the city as the epicenter for whatever cultural cancer is going to spread next. The Valley Girl stereotype is a silly example, but there's some really serious ones that people in the country are looking at and saying, whoa, 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 (laughs) what? This is what David Wong says. He says, blacks riot, Muslims set bombs, gays spread AIDS, Mexican cartels behead children, atheists tear down Christmas trees. Meanwhile, those liberal Lena Dunhams in their $5,000 a month apartments sip wine and say, oh, but those white Christians are the real problem. Terror victims scream in the street next to their own severed limbs, and the response from the elites is to cry about how men should be allowed to use women's restrooms and how it's cruel to keep chickens in cages. It's madness. Again, I should pause here. David Wong is from the country, living in the city. This is a letter. This is a note. Two Democrats, two progressives saying you need to understand why Donald Trump won. This is what the the, the white folk living in the red areas are thinking. This is what they're feeling. This is their experience. After years of living and having culture set by people in these blue islands, they finally have had enough. And after years and recently looking in the cities and being like, listen, this is not where I want our country to go. Not about race. Got to go much deeper than that. He says their heads are so far up their butts they can barely tell up from down. Basic, obvious truths that have gone unquestioned for thousands of years now get laughed at and shouted down. The fact that hard work is better than dependence on government. That children do better with both parents in the picture. That peace is better than rioting. 
that a strict moral code is better than hedonism. That humans tend to value things they've earned more than what they get for free. The foundation upon which America was undeniably built, family, faith, and hard work, has been deemed unfashionable and small-minded. Those snooty elites up in their ivory tower laughed as they kicked away that foundation and then wrote 10,000-word think pieces blaming the builders for the ensuing collapse. I think people in the country looked at our cities and said, what the heck is going on? We can't have that trend take over our country. Nor can we allow that culture to exist in our cities because that's not good for anyone. Revolutions are always city versus country. Almost always. And the Trump revolution is no different. Bourgeois literally means town, town people. And peasant, it comes from the word, uh, the Latin word. So, so the Spanish word for country is país, P-A-I-S, país. So that comes from the same Latin word meaning country. So peasant means a person of the country, right? So, so it's kind con- and that, that obviously was a term given by city folk, right? So, so this divide has always existed and this is how revolutions start. Now, the crazy thing is, we all need each other, right? People in the city need the country and the country needs the city. Just a very base example. People in the city need food that's grown in the country and people in the country, farmers in the country need farming equipment that's manufactured and financed by people in the city, right? So, so like that's just a very basic example, but everyone needs everyone here. So that's the silliness of the whole thing. But that's why the rural white voter spoke so loudly a couple days ago. And if I could speak about why Trump won the, won the Rust Belt states, it's amazing that the Democrats thought that they would ever win those states. What do you think a guy living in Michigan is more concerned about? A guy who used to be a Democrat for a long time, what do you think he's more concerned about? Men being allowed to use the women's bathroom? Or a job? The Democratic Party's been taken over by New York City. The New York City faction of the Democratic Party. And the Rust Belt faction of the Democratic Party said, we're out. We're going over with this guy who actually cares about my family and my job. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Later on the Blaze Radio Network. Network. So I sort of mentioned this at the end quickly. The music was playing. I had to go. But it's no, there's no surprise that Trump won the Rust Belt states. Think of the Democrats in, in the Rust Belt states, the type of people they are. Do you think they care about transgender bathroom rights? Right? Like the, the, we've been talking about the divide in our country, and the real divide is not rich, poor, black, white. It's city versus country, country versus city. The Democratic Party was taken over by the New York City faction within the party. Their main focus was climate change and transgender rights and safe spaces on college campuses. 
Do you think an old blue dog Democrat from a Rust Belt city or small town in Michigan gives a squat about those things? They want a job. Right, so so the because the the Democratic Party has completely abandoned them, Donald Trump just swooped right in and said, "Oh, hey, about that NAFTA thing, right?" And all the, all the people who live in Michigan are like, mm, "What? Awesome! Let's talk about that." And Hillary is like, "No, birth control. Give me a break." Now, I, on my local show, there's, there's a woman who listens. Her name's Lorraine. She's a Hillary Clinton uh, delegate here in California. So big time insider person. And she called in and she's like, Mike, I know, I'm telling you why Donald Trump won. And I have some insider perspective. I'm telling you what Democrat insiders are telling me as, 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 we're, as we're debriefing, doing the postmortem here about why Donald Trump won. So I'm, I'm excited to hear. Lorraine's good. She calls in every once in a while and gives us some insight into what Democratic Party insiders and leaders are talking about. So I'm really excited. This is the day after the election, two days after that. And she's like, Mike, what party people are saying is that Donald Trump won because Russia hacked the polling sites in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I said, Lorraine, are you kidding? Are you joking right now? Or are you being serious? She's like, nope, I, we have, we have proof. We think that's what happened. And, and that's why he won. And I said, Oh, this is wonderful news wonderful news that you have no idea why you lost this is fantastic you are now let's maybe it's just because they're, they're still grieving they're still going through their phases and and maybe when they're done with the five phases of grief or whatever uh they'll see more clearly but a couple of days later they still have no clue why they lost and that is awesome news if you're a football coach and you're winning by 100 points at halftime you don't want the other team to figure out what you're doing that's making you win. You know what I mean? Like you want them to still be scratching their head like, well, they must be cheating. <laughs> right? You don't want them to know your game plan. And the Democrats still have no clue why they lost. That's great news. I'll give me an example. New York Times. Opinion piece from a woman who has worked at Harvard for 17 years. She says, but I've never been in a classroom here, Harvard University. I've never been in a classroom. I'm a cook in the dining halls. I work in the cafeteria at the T.H. Chan School of Public Health, where every day I serve amazing students studying medicine, nutrition, and child welfare, as well as the doctors and researchers who train them. While I've earned no college credits here, I've had a lesson in hypocrisy. So the shortest story is she makes $25,000 a year and her healthcare premiums are $4,000. Harvard announced that they are increasing her premiums, her copays, her deductibles, everything. Everything's going up. She says, I serve the people who created Obamacare. People who treat epidemics and devise ways to make the world healthier and more humane, but I can't afford the healthcare plan that Harvard wants us to accept. So a couple things here. First of all, what's up, Harvard? What's going on, man? You pride yourself on being the center of progressive ideology in this country. Why aren't you paying your dining hall workers $100,000 a year? (laughs) What's the deal? Why are you paying your dining hall workers twenty-five grand? 
Why not 100000 Why don't you give your dining hall workers free health care? What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Why don't you have universal health care coverage for all of your employees at Harvard University? Right? You live in your bubble right there. You're trying to push, and all your students and professors are trying to push for universal health care nationwide, and you don't, even have it. you don't even have a campus-wide. Give me a break. The people who run Harvard, graduates of Harvard, all quick to pounce on businessmen and women for paying market rates for labor. Quick to criticize businesses who are forced to raise their insurance premiums. But Harvard University gets a pass on doing the same. Why not be a model, Harvard? Why not be a model? Pay all your workers $100,000 and give everyone free health care as much as they want whenever they want. What are you waiting for? Oh, that's right. Reality doesn't exist. So stop trying to force it on everyone else. That's point number one. But here you have a woman. I, love, I can speak from, I'll speak from my experience. So Harvard's a little different than Yale, but Yale's in New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven is a city that's doing horribly. Okay, the place, it's like a failed state. Okay, it's like a horrible, horrible city. Um, so just like totally broke, no growth. It's like an old rust belt city. Okay. So all the dining hall workers were minority. Right? And not making a lot of money. When I first showed up on campus, there was a big strike for all the dining hall workers. So same thing for Yale. Why aren't you paying your dining hall workers $100,000 a year? What are you waiting for? But this just is a great illustration of the disconnect. This dining hall worker at Harvard, they don't care about transgender bathrooms. They care about health insurance rates. They want, they want lower health care premiums for their families. They don't care about climate change. Shut up already about it. Do you know in California, we passed a statewide proposition that basically bans plastic grocery bags in California. What the heck? Okay. That's the, that's what I mean by the, by the big city elite liberal faction of the democratic party taking over the agenda. And you got people like this woman at at Harvard who's saying, hello, what do you, what about my insurance premiums? You got white folk and all different types of everyone in, in Michigan and Wisconsin and the Rust Belt states saying, hello, I don't care about transgender bathrooms. Factories are closing. I have no job. Insurance premiums are going up. Now I'll tell you, the, the Democrats, the best they're going to come up with about why they lost this election. The best they're going to come up with. Because they're not going to they're not going to have the insight to figure this out. They're going to say it's Comey's fault. It's the FBI's fault. It's the FBI's fault. The investigation. He tipped the scales. He ruined it for Hillary. She would have been president if it wasn't for him. It's not true. Dick Morris noticed this. It was, it was the day after the emails. Uh, or Comey said they're reopening the investigation or whatever. Dick Morris said, no, 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 no. The polls are already closing. And they're closing because of Obamacare. Because yes, the premiums and everything's going to go up on January, but letters were sent out like a week or two ago to people saying that their premiums and everything's going to go up. Right? So it's, it's, that, it's that type of stuff that people, got people ticked off. It's that type of stuff that got Democrats disillusioned with the Democratic Party and that got, got Republicans fired up finally, once and for all. That's it. Oh, and everyone secretly wants to be in the Ku Klux Klan. That, that, like that, that's the other thing too, right? Everyone 
it's like wants to be in the clan and they, they won't vote for Donald Trump for that. No, come on. It's so lazy to think that that's what it's really all about. But anyway, I think that's a good example between the, the, the rural and or the culture, excuse me, the, the country versus city divide. Yes. These dining hall workers, they live in the city too, but same kind of idea, right? It's like, what are you, what are you liberal elites do? What are you talking about here? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you focusing on? Nothing important. That's for sure. So they either didn't vote or they voted for Trump. And that's why he won. 1-888-900-3393. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. the next generation of talk radio this is mike slater one last example of how a certain faction within the democratic party sort of taken over the agenda recently and that's why trump lost trump won um and it's the new york new york city liberal faction so the dnc had a big powwow the other day big post-mortem powwow and powwow and donna brazil gave this rip-roaring speech about how the future is theirs and we're gonna rebuild and it'll be great and one staffer stood up grabbed the microphone and and yelled at Donna Brazil, Donna Brazil, same Donna Brazil who worked at CNN, who fed Hillary the debate questions. And this guy, this kid, he said, why should we trust you as chair to lead us through this? You backed a flawed candidate and your friend, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former chair, plotted through this to support your own gain and yourself. You are part of the problem. And I read that and I was like, oh, wow. Like the guy stood up, stood his ground. Like he's got a point. Uh, pretty good. But then I read this next thing he said, and that's when I started busting out laughing. He said, you and your friends will die of old age, and I'm going to die from climate change. You, you, you and your friends let this happen, which is going to cut 40 years off my life expectancy. So there you go. Trump wins 40 years. is going to be cut off your life expectancy. Like, that's hilarious. I'm going to die from climate change? What are you talking about? Like, I really have no idea what that even means. Like, specifically, what what could he be referring to that he thinks he's going to die from climate change? Like, two degrees is going to kill you? <laughs> sea levels are going to rise? You're going to die? Like, that seems a little over the top. But anyway, that's a good example of how, you know, this kid's like, the most important thing is climate change. And people in the old Rust Belt states are like, no, it's not. <laughs> not at all. We're voting for the guy who's talking about jobs. Someone was on Twitter, it was a Twitter conversation going back and forth, asking what moment in the last eight years explains Donald Trump and the rise of Donald Trump, the creation of Donald Trump. If you had to pick one moment, and it's a really good question. I mean, this person, well, so, so I, I brought that up on my local show. And if you want to answer Slater Radio on Twitter. If there's one particular moment, now obviously it's not one thing that would ever create to Donald Trump, but it's a pile of things that just built up over a long time. Now, someone called in and said, Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. You know what? That's a pretty good answer. To go back to the rural city divide that I was talking about earlier and how trends start in the cities and they see Kaepernick being praised as a hero and people across the country are like, well, I don't 
mm, I don't like where this is going. I don't like. I, that's a pretty good example. Someone else said Memories Pizza. Do you remember Memories Pizza? It was in Indiana. This was during the whole controversy about cakes at gay wedding ceremonies, right? Stupid thing. And Indiana was passing a law that protects businesses from having to participate in gay wedding ceremonies if it's against their religious beliefs. Now, they could know, they could not deny service to gay people, but they didn't have to participate in a gay wedding ceremony. Okay? That was the law. So this local reporter of a local TV station drives a couple of hours from the city into the middle of nowhere and finds this family-owned pizza place. No reason, just stopped at this one pizza parlor. Finds the owner and asks this nice lady if she would hypothetically cater a gay wedding ceremony. Okay, so if a gay couple came into the pizza parlor and wanted this parlor, Memories Pizza, to cater their gay wedding, would, would they do it? And, and she said, if a gay couple came in and wanted us to provide pizzas for their wedding, we would have to say no, end quote. They were ripped to shreds across the country. All this fake media outrage. And it was sickening. People were posting gay porn on their Yelp page, just attacking this family. It was crazy. Now, I just want to be clear. Memories Pizza did not issue a press release on their position. They did not contact the media. They didn't put anything on social media. They didn't have a sign up in their window saying, gays stay out. Nothing. A reporter from the big city walks into this nice lady's restaurant and asks a crazy hypothetical question because no gay person would ever want a pizza place to cater their wedding. She gave an answer, an honest answer, and was raked over the coals for it. Threats, attacks, the whole thing. Attacked for the theoretical defense of their beliefs. Now, this is just one of these stories. And there's a ton of these stories. And you you miss some of them. You hear a bunch of them. But they just pile up. And it creates this, this smug sense of superiority from people living in the Blue Islands. And finally, the people who live in the red areas... Saying, no, I don't know. I've had enough of this. Let me pull up this one thing on Facebook someone wrote. You can find it on my Facebook page. Let's see here. Don't fail me now, internet. All right, here it is. Here we go. When all the non-racist, non-misogynist, non-homophobic, non-bigoted, everyday ordinary people get so sick of you calling them racists, misogynists, homophobes, and bigots that they go out and vote against your candidate, do you A, reevaluate your personal conduct and strategy of convincing people to share your politics, or B, call them racists, misogynists, homophobes, and bigots and yell at them even more? According to most of my timeline, you choose B, and that's exactly why your candidate lost in the first place. People are sick of being bullied, sick of being lied to all the time, sick of being told they have privilege. And they voted for Trump. And they were so sick of the media and the rest. The more the media said Trump's a bad person, the more they, they liked him. No more complicated than that. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Later in three, two, 
1. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater's America's the greatest country in the world. What a week. So glad you're here. Uh, this this is going to be an exciting next couple years. I'm really glad you're here. You, you are more important now than ever. Right? All the buildup to this week. Forget just the past year. I mean, from the beginning of the Tea Party, which is what I want to talk about coming up in a little bit, uh, to right now, it's all to get to this point. right? If you want to do the analogy, um, you've been playing baseball your entire life, working hard, training hard, ups and downs. You just got... It's, it's, today's your first day in the major leagues. You with me, right? Your first day in the major leagues, you don't, you're not like, well, great career. <laughs> no, no, now you worked hard to get here. Now is the hard part to stay here and have a successful career. These next four years are going to be a lot of fun, but the spotlight's on you. And we own this and we can't blow it. We got the house, we got the Senate, got the presidency. We can make some big changes here. We have the governor's house in 33 different states. The Senate has a chance to go 61 Republicans in two years. So so things are looking good. But <laughs> we, got, we got to do the right things. No excuses now. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a blast. I think the word to describe this election, the best word I can think of is uh, repudiate. Repudiation. So repudiate, it, it comes from the Latin word meaning to, uh, to forcefully reject, to cast off. And actually, the, the root of the word is uh, for foot, like repude. It's, a, it's the, the, like, a, like a pedicure, ped, pude, same, same Latin root. Uh, so, so it literally means to kick away, right? So imagine the way you would kick open a door, right? The door is right in front of you. Kick your leg up, boom, like bust out the door in front of you, right? Repudiate, repudiation. So we, we, we spent some time today talking about why, how. The great divide in our country. It's not white versus black. It's not rich versus poor. It's country versus city. And then what that means, like what, what, how that manifests itself. Because that no one's thinking like, it's a country uprising. Right? That's not what it is. It's, it's a little deeper than that even, but that's the root of it. In previous elections, every time, The media said, hey, Republicans, your Republican nominee for president, he's Hitler. That guy is Hitler. Every time the media would say that, Republicans would say, maybe you're right. Maybe he is dangerous. Maybe he is a bad person. Maybe he is wrong for America. I don't know what to do. Chris Matthews on MSNBC says he's bad. The local newspaper says I should vote for the other guy. I guess... I guess I'll just stay home. And the other guy wins. Happens every time. But this time, because the media is so hated, so despised, and rightfully so, that not only did their warnings of, hey, this guy's Hitler, mean nothing, it actually backfired. People like Trump even more. The more they called him a racist, the more the American people said, we are so sick and tired of you calling everything racist. The more the media said Donald Trump is sexist, the more the American people said, shut up already with everything being sexist. 
Every time the media said, oh, we're so appalled by something that Donald Trump has said, the American people said, give me a break. Look at all the things that other people have done that you give them a pass on. It was truly the American people saying to the media, I think you are so awful that everything you say, I'm doing the opposite. Truly, it's the boy who cried wolf. Their screams, this go around, not only meant nothing, they actually caused people to like Trump more. And it's their own fault. It's their own fault. And the craziest thing, this time, maybe they had a point. Right? <laughs> like maybe they were, they were right about Trump, but they, they lost, at least on something, but they lost all credibility because of what they've done the previous elections. When you call Mitt Romney Hitler, you don't leave much room for anyone who might actually be Hitler. You with me? You know what I'm saying? If Mitt Romney, the altar boy, is Hitler, well, what are you going to call the actual Hitler when he comes around again? And I love it. I think we played it last week. Uh, Bill Maher saying, uh, listen, you know, Mitt Romney and John McCain were honorable people. You know, and I'm sorry for, for saying that, that they were so evil and that they were Hitler. But this guy, he really is. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. And we've done this before, but four years from now, Donald Trump is going to be looked back on as a great, uh, moderate icon, right? The the, the example of the the former uh, moderate Republican establishment. I guarantee it. And they'll look back at his LGBT policies and his... um, uh, uh, paid maternity leave policies and some some things he wants to do that grows the entitlement state. And they'll be like, oh, look at the old Republican Party. But but Marco Rubio, oh, you're Hitler. Trump wasn't that bad, but you're the real Hitler. No, we're not, we're not falling for it. We didn't fall for it this election. Paul Krugman, New York Times, this is the morning after. He said, what we do now, what, excuse me, what we do know is that people like me and probably like most readers of the New York Times, truly didn't understand the country we live in. That's true. They don't. They still don't. Because he goes on and he writes stuff like this. He says, it turns out that we were wrong. There turned out to be a huge number of people, white people living mainly in rural areas, who don't share at all our idea of what America's about. For them, it's about blood and soil, about traditional patriarchy, and racial hierarchy. Those are just fancy ways of saying sexism and racism. They still don't get it. Which is fun. Because now the fun begins. Well, the hard part begins. As I said before, Republicans have the House, we have the Senate, we have the presidency. That's a lot of power, Frodo. Use it wisely. We have an opening in front of us wider than it's ever been, certainly in my lifetime. And we can go any direction we want to go in. Anyone at all. Choose your next steps wisely. And don't be distracted. The cries of racism and everything from the left will not stop ever. And you know what? Maybe I'm cynical enough to believe that there's going to be some forces at play that are really going to try to undercut things that Republicans can do. Uh, I think the feds are going to mess with interest rates, mess with money supply. 
foreign affairs can be sabotaged in different ways. I think I think there'll be some things that could be done that, that make the next four years as miserable as possible. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Don't be distracted. We just got to do what we got to do. So I've been thinking first order of business for Donald Trump. What do you think? What needs to be the first thing he does? Anything he does is going to be opposed by the media. It's fine. Don't let that stop you from doing the right thing. So what's his first thing? No, obviously Supreme Court. That's that's a no-brainer. But policy-wise, education reform? I'm excited for that. Healthcare? Repeal Obamacare? Replace it with something better? Yes, absolutely. Taxes? Let's lower that tax rate. Let's get that corporate tax rate so low that America becomes the tax haven for the rest of the world. That companies from England, or excuse me, from Europe, are flooding into America to set up their corporate headquarters here. I want the biggest news of the European Union. I'm being serious. I want the European Union coming together and saying, guys, we got a big problem. Taxes are so low in America. Regulations are so low in America that all the big European companies are moving out of Germany, moving out of England, moving out of France, and moving to America. And they're taking their jobs with them. Taking our jobs with them. What are we going to do? That's what I, I want America to be such a tax haven for the world that we have no place to put all the companies that want to move here. So should he deal with taxes straight up? Maybe. But I think, I think there's something else he should do first because you only get one thing you can do first. I have a general thought process that I, I think it's important to get the ball rolling. I think it's important to do something non-controversial, um, build some momentum, gain some trust. So that's why I think the first thing that Donald Trump needs to do is fix the VA. I think he needs to reform the VA top to bottom, complete overall, and use this as a model, the model, of how conservative principles can work in every aspect of our broken government. Top to bottom change Everything about it. Not, not, no, 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 no. Hear me out. Not little tweaks here and there. Total, complete, overall, in every way. And the people who are against it in Congress, I want Donald Trump to say, hey, the reason why this VA hospital we're building, I think it's in Colorado, is costing billions of dollars, is because this congressman in the Denver area, got a million dollars for his campaign re-election by this construction company that happens to be building the VA. So there's no accountability. There's no oversight from the Congress people because they're getting rich at the taxpayer's expense. And that billion dollars that's going to build this uh, hospital, their billion dollars in cost overruns could be a billion dollars spent to actually help our veterans. So yeah, it's this congressman right here. That's part of the problem. Oh, and these bureaucrats over here, Charlie, Nancy, Chris, these three don't want to fix the VA because they got their cushy jobs. So they're, they want everything to stay the same they are right now because they want their lives to be easier at the expense of our veterans who are dying while they're on non-existent wait lists. Right? I want names to be named and a top-down complete reform of the VA in every way. Why the VA? Because everyone knows it's broken. It's easy to understand. Right, everyone knows the VA. Obamacare is tough to understand. Even even healthcare is tough to understand. Right, you see the Jimmy Kimmel where they went on the streets and they said, "Hey, what do you think about President Obama raising your premiums?" Isn't that great? Premiums are going up because premium sounds like a good word, 
And people are like, oh, yeah, premiums, premiums. Oh, thanks, President Obama. Like real people are like, oh, yeah, premiums. Good. I love premiums. <laughs> right? So people, even healthcare is tough to understand, but the VA, everyone gets the VA. Help vets, done. Are you doing that? No? Okay, then no good. Right? I want Donald Trump to come out with a, a, a detailed plan about how to cut down the number of veteran suicides from 22 a day to zero. Okay, now what do you mean? I said, how can you stop that? Well, I don't know. How about the suicide hotline? When a veteran calls, it doesn't go to voicemail. That's a good start, right? Can we figure that out? Everyone knows it's broken. Everyone understands it, and the results will be easy to see. Now, of course, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but let's build some momentum. People have said that a Hillary presidency would be better for my career. First of all, who cares? It'd be horrible for the country, but... I don't even think that's true. I think it's so much better to be on offense. It's so much more fun. It's so much more exciting. It's so much more meaningful. I couldn't be more excited. And I'm so glad we're doing this together. Let's not blow it. Slater Radio on Twitter. If you have another idea of what the first thing you think President Trump should do in office, the very, very first thing. Now, I know you, you want the border secured, but should that be the first thing? Maybe that should be the second. I know you want Obamacare repeal, but should that be the first thing? What's the very first thing he should do and why? And I'm putting Supreme Court aside because that's, that's a simple one. one 933 Mike Slater. So the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Later on the Blaze Radio Network. Slider Crusaders. Slater. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, on Twitter. Slater Radio on Twitter. Um, David Brooks, the so called conservative columnist of the New York Times. Day after the election, I was thinking, yeah, I wonder what, what he's saying. First sentence. If I had to sum up. The election of 2016 in one clause. I would say it has been a sociological revolution, a moral warning, and a political summons. (laughs) I read that as, uh, get over yourself. Give me a break. So the next line is the only one that matters. Uh, Sociologically, this campaign has been an education in how societies come apart. So... If that's the postmortem about our country, give me a break. It's just still super smug posturing against the uneducated rural white voter. Glenn Reynolds last March said that people like David Brooks created Donald Trump. David Brooks created Donald Trump, without a doubt, 100% about it. Why? Because everything they see that they're not in control of is racist and sexist and must be stopped. The Tea Party, for one. Think of the Tea Party. Were you a member of the Tea Party in the beginning? Were you part of it? Well, about 2008, right? Tea Party, criticized as the most racist movement that has ever been formed in America, at least since the very founding of the KKK itself. 
Now today, David Brooks and people like him, they, they hate Trump supporters. And they say, gosh, you know what we really need in America is a more refined, more focused, and better mannered political movement within the Republican Party. That, that's what we need to do. Not this, not this bloviating and, and this arrogance and, and rudeness from Donald Trump. We need, we need a polite, focused, refined movement from the Republican Party. Yeah, we had that. It was called the Tea Party. The Tea Party was characterized as angry. You remember, I've never been around more cheerful, family-oriented people in my whole life. Certainly compare that to any other political event. Most of the people there have never been involved in politics before, but everyone was still called racist. Still then. I love this line from Rich Lowry. He wrote this about the Tea Party back then. He said, just as stunning as the massive throngs lining the reflecting pool. And this is talking about um, uh, Glenn Beck's big rally in D.C. Just as, uh, as stunning as that were the images of the spotless grounds afterward. If someone had told attendees they were expected to mow the grass before they left, surely some of them would have hitched flatbed trailers to their vehicles for the trip to D.C. and gladly brought mowers along with them. This was the result of the bourgeois, of the responsible, of the orderly, of people profoundly at peace with the traditional mores of American society. The Tea Party's detractors want to paint it as radical, when at bottom it represents the self-reliant industrious heart of America. I bring this up because David Brooks and other so-called conservatives, they had their chance to embrace the movement that they wish they had today. And they blew it. And now they get Trump. And you know what? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Trump will settle in. He'll surround himself with the right people. He'll delegate to conservatives that never could have found their way into these positions on their own. And they'll come back with really solid reforms and they'll pass them through the Republican controlled house and Senate. Everything will be fine. But don't let the left write the history book as if Trump came out of nowhere. They created Trump. If only they embraced the tea party as the sensible movement that it was, then conservatives never would have come back with the Tea Party on steroids. That is Donald Trump. If they didn't call Mitt Romney a racist, homophobic, uh, vulture capitalist, like the worst things ever, the guy's a saint. He's probably the nicest guy to ever run for president ever then maybe people would have listened to him this time around. But they're the boys who cried wolf. And by the way, David Brooks, if we want to play the smug game, in your article, you say that Donald Trump has decimated the basic the codes of basic decency. Decimate means to reduce by one-tenth, like decibel, decimate. Decimate is not a synonym for devastate, but whatever. I, I, sorry, you're the one supposed to be lecturing me about everything. So, sorry to lecture you about grammar. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.
Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. Guys, this was... Uh, every week is just going to get more fun. I can't wait. Um, so a lot of hysteria these last couple of days. Did I mention earlier? Yeah, I did. That uh, my friend works on a college campus and she said uh, students are carrying around their passports because they're so terrified. Terrified of what? Like, I really have no idea. Like, what? Worst case scenario, let's say Donald Trump is going to deport all people with a tan, like all brown people and anyone who went to Florida for a week for vacation. He's not president until January. So, like, why are you carrying it around today? Like, that's. So, it's like, uh, we talked earlier about, and Glenn was right, meeting fears with um, compassion and love and understanding. Totally. But also, there becomes a line where people are just crying for attention. And I don't think there's a need to be a party to that. And there's also a point when people are spreading lies. And that's not appropriate either. And we need to to speak some truth to that. So some of the lies are that Trump's going to deport all Mexicans or all, or all Hispanics. And he's going to round up. I've heard this one. He's going to round up Muslims and put them in internment camps. Like Where the heck did that come from? But my favorite of all, and this is the one I want to talk about here because this one's just so bonkers, is that Mike Pence not only supports gay conversion therapy, but he wants to force gay people to have electrical gay conversion therapy. Have you heard this one yet? This, you, you, you will if you haven't. Someone brought it up at the uh, Democratic Convention. Okay, so like, I just, I've heard this out there. You will hear this eventually, and I like, what that? What? Where did that come from? All right, so here's where it started. Keep this in mind because you will hear, you will hear this. By the way, Donald Trump is probably the most LGBT friendly, certainly Republican candidate in a long time, but probably just candidate president in a ever, maybe, maybe ever. I'm not kidding. Who would be more? Not Bush. Not Obama. They were he, Barack Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton were always traditional marriage for political reasons. Who cares what they never? It didn't matter what they really thought for political reasons. They were always uh, for traditional marriage against gay marriage until recently. Uh, Bush wouldn't have been. Clinton was traditional. It wasn't even a thing before that, right? So yeah, so Trump is probably the most LGBT friendly president ever. You remember when the whole transgender bathroom things was a thing, and and Trump said, "Yeah, I don't care." Transgender people can use whatever bathroom they want in Trump Tower. And Caitlyn Jenner went and used the women's bathroom, right? Remember, it's like, so he's like, it's not a thing at all. I got some gay friends who are like, oh, what, what, what are we going to do? Like, nothing. <laughs> Fine. But what they're worried about is Pence. Oh, Mike Pence. Oh, evil, 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 evil man. Oh, did you hear that he want, he believes in, in gay conversion therapy? <laughs> all right. Here's where it comes from. In 2000, he was running for Congress in Indiana, and he put this up on his website. He said, Congress should support the reauthorization of the Ryan White Care Act. That's a bill that was signed in 1990, and it gives funding to HIV AIDS uh, treatment for patients who can't afford it. So low-income people who have HIV AIDS, federal dollars goes to pay for their treatment. Okay, This is, this is super right-wing, bigot, homophobe, religious Mike Pence, who's like, yeah, federal dollars should go to fund 
AIDS patients who can't afford. Okay, so that's so that's point number one. But then he says only after completion of an audit to ensure that federal dollars were no longer being given to organizations that celebrate and encourage the types of behaviors that facilitate the spreading of HIV virus. uh, Resources should instead be directed towards those institutions which provide assistance to those seeking to change their sexual behavior. Period. That's it. Where's the outrage? Or I should say, where's the misunderstanding? Well, intentional. People took change sexual behavior, right? So, so money should only be given to institutions which provide assistance to those seeking to change their sexual behavior. People took change sexual behavior as if he wrote change sexual persuasion. Change their persuasion. See the difference? The left took change sexual behavior literally as electric conversion therapy to turn gay people straight. But what was he really talking about? What does change sexual behavior mean? Does it mean turn a gay person straight by putting him in an electric chair and shocking them? No. It means behavior like wearing condom. We're going we're gonna to support organizations. We're going to give federal dollars to organizations that encourage, or I should say discourage, not wearing condoms and encourage people to wear condoms. Or we're going to give money only to organizations that encourage not being promiscuous with multiple partners, still being gay, still having gay sex, whatever, just changing the behavior. That's Pence's point. And it makes perfect sense because the idea is why would you want to spend money to stop the spread of HIV? If you're going to give it to, or, to, to organizations that promote behavior that indeed spreads HIV. Instead, let's support groups that support things that slow the spread of HIV. That's it. Holy cow. And people, people take that as he believes in electrical conversion therapy. And he's going to force it now upon all gay people in America. What the heck? Similar thing here. I, I heard people say that. Um, here, it's on my Facebook page right now. Uh, let's see. Where did she write this? Do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> I can't find it exactly, but I've heard it a few times uh, that Mike Pence also signed a law requiring funerals for aborted babies. Mm. So, so this means that. What is, I mean, what does that mean to you? Because people say this all the time, right? That he he signed a law requiring funerals for aborted babies or miscarriages. So any woman who has a miscarriage, they have to have a funeral in Indiana. Mike Pence signed that law. Oh my gosh, what a horrible person. Okay, what does that what does it what does it really mean? What really happened? Every article that you read about this law uses the word funeral. And it creates this image that let's just say someone has a miscarriage. That the government is requiring you to gather the family, wear black, and go to the funeral home and have like a real funeral. That, I mean, isn't that what that, that sounds like? Or if you abort your baby, if you have an abortion, you have to have a funeral service for the, 
for the baby. That's not what the law says. The law says that any fetus, miscarriage or abortion, the body has to be either buried or cremated by the hospital. The law says that any fetuses under 20 weeks can be cremated in bunches and that the parents are in no way financially liable for anything. It says nothing about funeral homes or having a funeral service. So you think, well, Slater, why pass this law? This was done in response to Planned Parenthood selling fetus parts, baby parts. So Indiana passed a very sensible law. Now, you may not agree with it, but a very sensible law that says, oh, we don't want, we don't want aborted babies' body parts being used for any reason, right? for science, for research, for whatever. Now, you may disagree with that, but the point is, no, that body has to be either buried or cremated. But to, and again, you can disagree with that. That's fine. But don't pitch this lie that Mike Pence is forcing you to go to a funeral home and have a funeral service for your aborted baby. That's insane. But that's the scare tactic that's going on. That's the scaremongering that's going on. You know, earlier we, we quoted a speech from Teddy Roosevelt that he gave in 1903. He was talking about citizenship. And I'm not going to go over the whole speech, but he says there's three most important things. Number one, honesty and decency. But then he says, well, that's not enough because no matter how honest you are, if you're timid, if you're a coward, that doesn't do any good at all. You can be a good man, but if you stay home in your parlor, what, like, didn't do anyone any good. So you got to be honest. You got to be courageous. And also you got to have good common sense. Now, I, th- I think it's easy for us to put common sense first as the most important. And then the next thing is strength and courage. And then finally, honesty is number three. But TR, Teddy Roosevelt says it's the other way around. Honesty first. Then courage. And we talked about this earlier today as well. Courage, I, I, earlier we talked about being confident. Republicans have the House, the Senate, the presidency, 33 governor's offices. Be confident. You are not alone. You are not in the minority. You are in the majority. Most American people have conservative principles. Be confident. So honesty first, courage second, and then common sense. And the need for us, the need for us to have these three qualities now is more important than ever because now it's our time to shine and it's our time to prove that conservatism is the answer. And we can't ever fall, ever, now more than ever, we can't fall into the same traps like things I just shared right here with, oh, he wants to convert gay people by electrocuting them. Or he wants everyone to have a funeral service for an aborted baby. Like, no, 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 no. We don't need that. Let's be honest. Let's be courageous. And let's have some common sense and let's get some good stuff done. This is our chance now more than ever. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, 
888-900-3393. Mike Slater is on. Well, what the heck? I just quoted Teddy Roosevelt. Should we do it again? Should we wrap up with uh, one more TR speech? Why not? Uh, this is a good one for everyone. Uh, this is good for Democrats and for conservatives. Different speech, 1903, same year. He said there's a certain tendency among many excellent people to believe that everything can be accomplished by law. That where there's a bad law, it is due to the state and society and that there's an immediate need for radical legislative changes. But no law will ever make a coward brave, a fool wise, or a weakling strong. All the law can do is to shape things that no injustice shall be done by one to another. And so that each man shall be given the chance to show the stuff that is in him. All right. So that's the libertarian view, right? The law is to protect you, right? To protect your rights and uh, to get the government out of your way so that each man shall be given the chance to show the stuff that is in him. There is no device to make good government. There are plenty of countries like ours governed under the same laws. And the net outcome is absolutely different because back of the laws lies a different set of men in those other countries. And it's the men who determine the success or failure of any republic. And there is no patent device for getting good citizenship. We need strong bodies. But we need more than that. We need strong minds. More than that, we need character into which many elements enter, the principal ones being honesty, decency, and morality. These make a man a good father, a good husband, a good employer, a good man in his relation to the state, and even more. And if we fail in developing the qualities in our average citizenship, we shall fail as a nation. And no, my fellows, my countrymen, we are going to succeed. As a nation, we are going to make this the greatest the sun has ever shone upon because we are going to develop a sense of honesty and character to a degree hitherto unknown among the nations of the earth. That, uh, that speech there is, is true for, for everyone listening. It's true for the people who are protesting. It's true for, for the people who now have the spoils. To the victor goes the spoils. I've always said politics reflects culture. In this case, with this election, the political choices of the American people are a rejection of the culture makers, the news makers, the elites, the establishment. Same idea, right? But, but now that we're in charge, as Teddy Roosevelt said, we need strong bodies. But more than that, we need strong minds. And more than that, we need character. And there's a lot of people protesting, very upset about what this means for their children. People are like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, you're going to wake up. You're going to go to work. Your kids are going to go to school. You're going to teach them to be kind and decent and honest and to do their homework and to be good people. You are going to go do the same when you go to work as well. The same thing you did last week, the same thing you're going to do tomorrow and next week and every day and whatever, right? It, it, a Trump presidency or a Hillary presidency in no way in zero way whatsoever changes your ability to be honest, decent, and moral. 
So what are we going to do? Those things. You'll be fine. Maybe even our country will be better off if he inspires you to do those more than ever. All the better. Slater Radio on Twitter. We got a bunch of videos on our Facebook page. Please search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook and follow us there and uh, and share these videos. We'll see you next week. It's going to be a blast. So glad you're here. Mike Slater Show. Spreading the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.